We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Pack-A-Day Podcast. It's your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. It's game day in Lambeau Field for the Packers and the Seahawks and the two quarterbacks back in action Aaron Rodgers going on taking on Russell Wilson again, both team, both quarterbacks back on the field for this one. My name is Mike Willen. I'm joined by Gage Bridgeford and Mark Echo this weekend. Gage, this is a whole different matchup than what we both teams are probably practicing for all week, even late last week with both quarterbacks back on there. And it seems like both teams are mostly back at full strength. I mean, Obviously, it's the quarterback. It's going to be the quarterback matchup. I know that there were people that were heading to this game in Green Bay that were like, I know I, I signed up for a Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson showdown three months ago, not a Geno Smith versus Jordan Love showdown. Well, the people are going to get what they want. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers was activated yesterday, so that's great for them. And you said Green Bay is almost back to full strength, and like I mean, Seattle's nearly back to full strength. They're still missing starting running back Chris Carson, but. Green Bay still doesn't have Jair, Zadarius, Dave Bakhtiari is not going to play today. It's Green Bay's really good right now, and they're still not at full strength. That's just that's just a testament to how good and deep this team is. And yeah, obviously Green Bay missed out on Odell Beckham last week, but they're showing that they don't necessarily need Beckham to still compete with the best of the best in the NFC. Sure, and I, uh, Mark, I guess what are what are your thoughts on this matchup to start things off and how these teams match up with the quarterbacks both on the field. Well, both quarterbacks are back, yes. But is it Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? Is it – or, I mean, if Russell Wilson hasn't played in, in over a month. Now he's all hyped up and he, he's Russell Wilson, right? But I know I've seen rusty quarterbacks. I know first game back isn't always a good thing for a quarterback. Rhythm-wise – just getting that, you know, he hasn't been hit in, in, in over a month. So, I mean, it's not the Russell Wilson that NFL fans have grown to know. And from reports that I've been reading, you know, it's more basketball than, than, than football, but guys coming back from COVID takes a while, too. I don't know how – we'll see. I don't. This is all new, this, you know, but I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
I don't mind him missing a week. It's kind of almost like getting an extra bye week. But if he's, you know, I had COVID. I, I know, you know, I, I was better, so quote-unquote better, but I wasn't, you know, I'm a lot older than Aaron Rodgers. But still, I mean, I don't know. Let's see how effective he's going to be. I, I think this is going to be an interesting game. I, I don't – when we get to the picks, we'll um, I'll chime in more then. But um, I don't know if we're getting the true – Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson matchup of the two, you know, two of the better quarterbacks in the in the league, and, and that's a fair point. So we may end up seeing the Alex Collins versus Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon matchup more than more than the quarterback deals, and and also whichever quarterbacks or whichever quarterbacks are out there, they're gonna be able to have some weapons to throw to as well. I mean, I'm nervous if we look at the Packers defense right now of without Jair and if Eric Stokes doesn't go, we have Kevin King and Russell Douglas taking on Lockett and Metcalf. I mean, that's not a great matchup for the Packers, is it, Gage? No, no, it's not. Uh, DK Metcalf is one of the most interesting physical specimens in the NFL. Everybody was ragging on him during the pre-draft process because he couldn't turn a corner, and then everybody was like, oh, wait, this guy is 6'4", 230, and he runs 4'3", and you're like, oh, maybe he's actually a lot better than we thought. Uh, The fact that DK went 64th in that draft is still insane to me, but – he is a matchup nightmare for both Kevin King and for Rasul Douglas. Douglas has played great since coming to Green Bay. King has been quietly really good. Just no one wants to freaking recognize that. Everybody wants to focus on the fact that he had a bad game in the NFC Championship game, and then everybody wants to focus on the fact that he dropped the ball right before halftime against the Chiefs last week. That would have saved three points. Kevin King has played good ball, but this, but DK and DK is a bad matchup for both him and for Douglas. Neither one of them have the long speed that he does. And Lockett is as well to that vein. There's Lockett has struggled the last few weeks with Geno Smith under center, but he and the connection that he has with Wilson, especially on those deep moon balls, is one of the best wide receiver quarterback connections in the NFL. And it's a very unique one because he when trying to run those deep shots with Geno under center, Lockett just couldn't quite connect because Lockett, or because Geno was throwing more a more straight line ball versus Wilson really let, tries to hit the moon and really tries to drop it in there, almost kind of how Rodgers does when he throws his uh, Hail Marys. He really tries to like high, get the ball high-pointed and get it coming down fast, which gives Lockett a lot of room to run and then possibly run under it versus running a traditional route and try, the quarterback trying to hit the guy in stride. I think that Green Bay can kind of muddy up Lockett and what he wants to do there. It's the Metcalf one that I'm concerned about, especially if the Seahawks try to go to the downfield passing attack, which is honestly that's how I would attack this Green Bay secondary. If if Stokes is out, I would try and use your deep speed and try and go down the field because the safeties are going to have to be over the top of both guys, and somebody's going to end up being open underneath. Granted, the Seahawks refuse to use the underneath patterns of and if that's what you are forced to give up as Green Bay, you have to contend with Freddie Swain and D. Eskridge. That's a matchup I like for Green Bay. is Because Chandon Sullivan on whoever is running the underneath stuff is a, is a matchup I'm willing to go for. Uh, but I don't want to let either one of DK or Lockett try and beat me down the field. That's it. So that's the classic. If you're going to die, die by a thousand cuts. Don't let Seattle hit a couple of deep balls and really swing the game on you. That's right. Also, I think uh, Drake Campbell and... And Gerald Everett's a good matchup as well for them. But the other thing also is if Kenny Clark is out, 
that'll limit the pass rush. That'll give Wilson more time, and that could open up some things more with either underneath or those deep shots. Uh, Mark, what is it? How big is it if Kenny Clark's back continues to act up, and and how much will that affect the interior pass rush for Green Bay? Oh, it, I, let me tell you this, Kenny. I, I'm the biggest Kenny Clark fan that there is. Um, it, there's a noticeable difference in Green Bay's defense when he's healthy and playing well than when he and than when he's either nicked up and playing or when he doesn't play. I mean, he he's the kind of guy. This is the greatest compliment I think you can you can. Eight of, of players. He makes everybody else better. He makes Dean Lowry better. He makes Lakeikis well, out, but he he'll make you know Lancaster better. He makes the linebackers better. He makes he's that good. I really do. I've I've, I've been saying this for for years now. That Kenny is as great as Zadarius was the last couple years, and you know Al, Alexander is a great corner. Obviously, I still say the most important player on that defense is Kenny Clark. I've always said it. I, I always will say that he makes things go. I'm really shocked that when he went when he went down last week, it tells you how bad Kansas City really is. Is that when when he went down last week, Kansas City still didn't do anything. That you know he's just he's got to play this week. He's got to play. And and Stokes going getting back to your the last point about covering um, Seattle's wide receiver. Stokes has to play too. Those guys got to find a way they just play. I still can't believe Stokes got hurt warming up. That just baffles me too. I don't know how that happened, but. We we never did get a true explanation of what exactly happened there, did we? Oh, the floor said that he was he, they were doing drills and he jumped for a ball and just kind of landed wrong, and just kind of tweaked it. That's that's just weird. I mean, I, I I've covered a lot of football in my life. I've never seen anybody get hurt in, in warmups before. I mean, I, I think there was something there that just aggravated it. Maybe or something. Um, no, those two guys have to play. I think they have to play this week. I really do. Um, or I mean, if not, then. Matt Lafleur is going to have his first two-game losing streak. Eventually, so how do they how do they count if Kenny Clark is not able to finish the game, or if he is ends up being not able to go? How do they how do they counteract that? How do they move Chris Barnes around more, have him blitz more? Do they move Lowry further in? Like, what do they do? Slayton will get a lot of time, as he did last week, and he's. I mean, he actually played pretty well this week. I thought. Um, You'll, they'll have to bring somebody. I mean, Kiki's out, right? He's he's not playing, right? I, I guess he's listed as doubtful, but he's not going to play. So they're going to have to bring up one of those guys off the off the practice squad. Probably I don't know which one. Take your pick. They're all kind of the same kind of guy, I guess, right? Veterans that have been passed around a little bit. But how do they win? How do they how do they combat not not having those guys on defense? Keep the ball on offense. Have long drives, keep your defense off the field as much as possible. Get the lead, get an early lead, which Green Bay hasn't done a lot this year, and makes you know makes Seattle one dimensional a little bit, or try to make them one dimensional. Um, I mean, I, I think, I mean, do, do you spy Russell Wilson? They, they've done that in the past. Um, they could use them, maybe you know, maybe a Campbell spies them or um, one of the safeties. I don't know. It's, it's Joe Barry's got his. If, if Clark doesn't play, you know, Joe, this is going to be a. Joe, Joe Barry's got his hands full this week trying to figure out how he wants to scheme this up. You know, I actually don't think it's going to be that difficult to slow down this uh, Seattle offense. For those who don't know, I cover the Seattle. Like I cover Seattle and uh, the Rams for Rotoballer for from a fantasy perspective. So I watch. I've watched a fair bit of their games this year, and this offense has looked disjointed 
all all season long. Since we week one was their best performance, and they have been not great since. They've won a couple of games here and there. They beat San Francisco, but Russell Wilson only had 149 yards in that game. They lost to Tennessee after leading hugely because they can't run the ball. And they like Wilson put up 343 yards in that game, and he had no interceptions, and they still lost the game. And he didn't even have a turnover. They just they can't get out of their own way sometimes. They who they beat a who they beat a couple of weeks ago, like they just they just got like their third win of the season. They just they can't get out of their own way. And also Wilson's not been running as much. He has the most carries he has in a game this year is five. He has he's got one game with 26 yards, one game with 16, one game with 10 yards, and then nine and seven are his other two. And he's just he's not been like he's still mobile, but he's not running as much as he used to. And he's also not running as far. This offense is just. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are not a good mix because everybody wants the let Russ cook thing to happen, but Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. He wants to try and play ball control. This is another classic game where we're not talking the betting stuff yet, but we will eventually. I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes under because the because both these teams like to take care of the ball, like to have long, sustained drives, and I think that Seattle constantly fights themselves and obviously Kenny Clark not being out there or not being able to play at 100% will hinder the defense and their ability to be effective. But this defense has been playing fast and aggressive, and I think that they can contain Russell Wilson a lot easier than, like, let's say the like the Colin Kaepernick a- or NFC Championship game from several years ago when he had basically 300 rushing yards or whatever it was. Russell Wilson is not running nearly as much, and this Seattle offense has looked just disjointed all year long. They've just looked off every single game, and I don't think that that's necessarily going to change this week. I think that Russ is going to have some rust. He's been out for a month now. He wasn't he hasn't, wasn't exactly lighting it up before his injury, so I'm not, I'm not totally scared. This isn't to say that I think Russell Wilson's bad or I think that the Seahawks are going to get blown out or Green Bay's going to blow them out or whatever. It's just the Seahawks' offense is broken and has been all year long, so I'm not exactly – as terrified as I would be if we were playing Seattle, say, week five of last year when Russ was the MVP candidate and it was basically his trophy to lose, which he obviously eventually did. But just Seattle doesn't look like the same Seattle we're used to, as Mark was saying earlier in the podcast. This doesn't seem like it's going to be the same matchup of quarterbacks that we're expecting to see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm with you on that. I, I agree. This is not the same Seattle team. I, I said at the beginning of the year that this could be Pete Carroll's last year in Seattle. 
if things don't turn around. So before we get to the fun part of the offense, we got to discuss how to, the team can fix whatever you want to call the special teams. Because that is an abject failure on every single facet. I got it. I got this. No field goals. Go for it. Actually, go for two every time. Uh, always go for it on fourth down. Um, if they're punting, don't even put anybody back there. Just let them punt it away. Try and get a block every time. Done. There you go. I fixed special teams. Just don't play it. Just ignore ignore that aspect of the game. If only it were that easy, Gage. Is, is that easy? When I'm, when I'm watching the game last week, Kansas City had a couple fourths and, like, threes and fourths and fours and fourths and whatever. I wanted them to go for it. And usually I want a team to punt, right? You you want you stop them on third down, you want to punt, and they get the ball back. No. I thought it was easier. To, with the way the Packer defense was playing versus the way the Packer special teams plays, I thought it was a better chance of the Packer defense stopping Kansas City on fourth and whatever than it was God knows what was going to happen when you punted. Because, you, you know, we saw what happened. Um, I like your idea. See, I would rush 11. Yeah, I wouldn't put anybody back. Because Amari Rogers back there is, is a liability. I would rush. I would rush nine or whatever it is. Like no, obviously, I well no. I, the reason I'd rush nine is because you got the gunners on the outside. I don't want to give up like an easy fourth down fake, you know. Well, I'm going to be tackling the punter, so is that going to matter? But I'm but I, okay. In the time that the ball gets back to the to the punter, he can get the ball to yeah, get the ball to one of the gunners. I'll still, I'll take my chances with the punter completing the pass to a gunner. Then you say that until they play the Rams in two weeks, and Johnny Hecker's completed like all but well, one of the passes in his career. Well, I'm not playing Johnny Hecker. Playing whoever Seattle's punter is. Wasn't he a pro bowler last year? Who's that? Or wasn't the Seattle punter like an all pro or a pro bowler last year? Not as a passer. He was yeah. yeah. You know, okay, but on a serious uh, note. My point way. is, I don't, I don't want, well, Amari Rodgers, let, let, on a serious note, Amari Rodgers can't return punts anymore, right? That, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, put Randall back there. Anyway. And just tell, and just tell Randall, just fair catch it. No, I mean, Randall can run a little bit. But I don't, but I don't want him to. Fair catch it or let it go. Because I would rather Cobb be healthy for offense, similar to what, like, Cooper Cup does for the Rams. Cooper Cup rarely returns punts, but he catches them. And, that like, I, I'm sure I could go and look up his stats, and he does not. He probably doesn't have a ton of punt returns this year because McVay probably said, and people are like, why, why do the Rams have Cooper Cup returning punts when he's playing better wide receiver ball than anybody else in the series, just risking him getting hurt? It's, no, Cup is going to catch the ball. And McVeigh knows that, and he would rather have him back there, a guy that he could trust, rather than yeah. Okay, so Cooper Cup in nine games has one punt return for eight yards. Okay. So and how many fair catches? Uh, I, that Pro Football Reference isn't telling me that. I, oh, okay. But I'm sure it's a lot. Really? That, I mean, I, I he's have it here every game. Nine. Nine. Fair so yeah, one return for eight yards and nine fair catches. Yeah, so I think it's a – like, that's kind of what I'm thinking by putting Random back there. It's a guy that I've seen do it before. He knows how to do it. Can he take a return here and there if he's got a lot of space to run? Sure, but for the most part, it's just – it's a guy that I can trust to catch the ball and also make sure everybody around him gets the hell out of the way. That That's what happened with Malik Taylor last week was, yep. was he shouldn't have been – he was in a spot he shouldn't have been. That is on Amari for not letting him know, hey, get out of the way. Don't or Amari for not catching the ball. That too, yeah. Where again, catch the ball. Again, there. Well, I mean, if you you muff a punt, you're going to be a little, probably a little weirded out. I don't know. I don't play in the NFL. I've never returned punts before, so I don't know 100 percent on that. But I agree that it's Amari just looks 
uncomfortable back there. And he just he it, you need to take him out of the situation because you're asking for bad things to happen by putting a guy that's not comfortable in that situation. And what makes this worse is the head coach of the team agrees with us and wanted to get Amari Rogers off punt returns. And Mo Drayton, and let me tell you, Mo is no different than Larry and Curly, who were the last two special team coaches, said, no, we, he's good. We'll keep him back there. You got to, Drayton's the one that has to go. Let, let's start at the top. He's a terrible, they, 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 they promoted the assistant special teams coach off one of the worst special teams in the league. That made no sense to me. When it, when it happened, it made no sense. And now we're seeing the, the results of what didn't make sense. You fire Sean Menega. Fine. Good. Get, yeah. Get rid of him. He was terrible. You don't promote his assistant. You go out and get a real special teams coach, right? They didn't. I'm confused how so many teams don't know how to find a good spe- like Green Bay doesn't know how to find a good special teams coach. I don't get it. I don't get how every other te- like so many other teams can have good special teams and great special teams coaches, and then Green Bay has gone through like has cycled over through a new one like every year for the last like four years. And that's the funny thing. Everybody has a weakness. I, I thought of a funny analogy because uh, I was doing a high school game on Friday. It was the state semifinals, and their final play was a great amalgamation of what the Packers special teams are. They had to do an onside kick. It went six yards, hit a blade of grass, and went backwards. So I thought that was a pretty apt description of what the Packers special teams looks like, especially last week because, I mean, between bad holds, uh, Dennis Kelly not understanding how to block, and Mason Crosby aiming kicks left, it's – it, there's, something has to change, and there's like, there's no excuse. Something has to change, and whether it is going for it more, whether it is not putting a part returner back, putting a different returner back, changing your blocking patterns, something has to give at this point. There, otherwise, the Packers are going to lose another game via special teams like last week. Last week was a special teams loss. That there, there's no other way around it. Do you think Crosby is aiming left more because the, he knows the right side of the line can't block anybody? Like, do you think that's like that's in his mind of hey, the right half of my offensive or of my blockers here is getting blasted every single time, every week? Maybe I really I need to try and pull this one just a little bit, and he's just pulling too much, and he, so he's overcompensating for the guys in front of them not in front of him not doing their job. I think that's definitely in his head. And the hold and the stats haven't been good either, right? I mean, it's a, the whole the, the whole operation. Yeah, that's right. Because you look at that Cincinnati game; although they were almost all missed left. So I, I, I think he's I think he's he's overcompensating a little bit, and also the holds haven't helped. Like the first miss, when when we can visibly see the laces, that's definitely a problem. And that's something that when you work that much in practice with the three of them together, Bohorkas has to should be able to spin the ball. Like that's. Well, the Hork was said that the, the, the snapper messed up. Still get the ball down. Agree. You've been you've been but holding them now for just, for, just for four months. Every time. You you just go for it on fourth down every time, and then you don't have to worry about it. Well, no, you can punt, right? You can punt on fourth down. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you punting. But Hork has been has been good. Granted, last week in the uh, Chiefs game, I didn't get to see it because I was on the East Coast, and Fox decided to have the game before it go into overtime for the second time this year, and I didn't get to see the Packers' first drive, and Bohorkla punted the ball 37 yards, and I'm like, of course, I don't get to see Green Bay's first drive, so that's fun. But Bohorkla has been good uh, as a punter, but uh, there's just – I have so many issues with this Packers special teams unit, and it just, it's just – it's terrifying to watch because I always assume something is going to go wrong. I'm an inherently, like, cynical person, and even, like – 
And I can have some hope for Green Bay on offense and on defense to get a stop or score or get a first down or whatever, but I see Green Bay special teams go out there. I assume it's going to get blocked. I assume it's going to be a miss. I assume that the punt's going to get muffed. I never assume a, gr- a good thing is going to happen on Green Bay special teams. I When a guy returns a kick, I'm like, you're going to get tackled at the 10. I When Green Bay returns a punt, I'm like, you're going to muff it. Some A, a block in the back's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. And I want to know what it's like to be the fan of a team that has good special teams. I want to know what that life is like. <laughs> it used to be. I mean, there was. I mean, you guys were young, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll take you back. Once upon a time, the Green Bay Packers had a guy named Desmond Howard. I'll start with once upon a time there. They did have. I mean, under Mike Holmgren and Nolan Cromwell, they had they had real special teams, and it can be fixed. It really can. And again, I'm blaming it all on Drayton because he's the coach. He's the guy. It's his schemes. It's his. He decides who's out there, and you can find. I covered the Eagles for for a long time, as as you can so. And they had, I'm going back like in the late nineties, or even before that. They never the Eagles special teams. Were, they weren't quite this bad, but they were pretty bad for a lot of years. They had um, the, the the head coach, whether it was Buddy Ryan and then Rich Kotite and then um, Ray Ray Rhodes. They didn't put a lot of emphasis on on special teams until Ray's last year, and the team was bad, but special teams got better when he hired John Harbaugh. And so after after uh, Al Roberts and um, I forget his first name, somebody Pascarelli, I can't remember his first name now. Um, Joe Wessel, um, they they finally found a good special teams coach in John Harbaugh, and they kept him until he became the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. So. You can find one. You just have to look and look harder and don't promote from within. Go, and that's what happened. So after Harbaugh leaves the Eagles, they go. They they went a few years without going with bad special teams as well because they couldn't find another good one. And they tried this guy and that guy, and they probably should have promoted from within because they had a good one. Um, but yeah, you you can't you can't move. I mean, I when, when that move happened, I was baffled by it. You know, why would you promote? the assistant to the guy that you just fired. You, when you got rid of Mike Patton, whose defense wasn't terrible until the, the last play of the first half against Tampa, you didn't promote Jerry Gray or, or or Smith. You went out and got Joe Barry. I mean, so why would you, why would special teams would you decide to just promote from within? I, I, I'm, it made no sense, and it still doesn't make any sense. Fair enough. So now let, let's, let's go to a happier topic. Let's talk about the offense a little bit and, and how they're going to go after Jamal Adams. Because – the high-priced safety has not been up to that price so far, especially in coverage. And the Packers, with most of their receiving weapons back, that's a that that should be. Yeah, I think that's going to be kind of a game plan for Lafleur to go after those two safeties. Jamal Adams said he was the best safety in the NFL on Sunday Night Football, and he very well could be the worst player in terms of pure value to his contract to his level of play this year. I don't think it's close. Most of the time, the player that you're getting the least value from, like that's it's the quarterback that you overpriced or like that you overpaid. I think that Jamal Adams is quite clearly the worst, and he's like he's just been awful. There, I don't. You could run AJ Dillon at him in a on a pass coverage play, and I would take AJ Dillon on that ten times out of ten. Jamal Adams just looks bad. Like he he is openly limiting the entire defense for Seattle. 
They want to be able to do multiple looks and give you – and, like, you want to be able to move your safeties around and stuff. Here's the one problem. Jamal Adams can't play deep. He has to play in the box. That is the only place you can play him where he is not a just complete liability for you. And the only reason he's not a liability for you in the box is because he's big enough to hit somebody. If you put him in coverage, though, he's toast. He would look like me trying to cover somebody out there. The only difference is I'm not 230 pounds and paid $17 million a year or whatever they're paying him. He looks he looks awful, and he's not even hurt. At least yeah, last year he had the excuse of, oh, he's banged up. Now he's completely healthy, and he just looks awful covering anybody. Has it been the injury? I mean, he I mean he was a very good player at one time. I mean, that's why he's bulked up But no, that's the line. thing. is like, He's bulked up, but it's just a his role. He's so limited. He was never a great coverage guy. He was always a the modern hybrid linebacker safety guy that can play in the box. That's the, that's the thing. The only problem is he can't cover it all. That was the benefit to guys like, uh, like Devondre Campbell was one of the first ones of a guy that was a little lighter, but he could play in the box. He can do a little bit of everything. Jamal Adams is, he's a lighter linebacker, but he can't play safety. He can't cover at, at all. Like he is, he is a complete negative in the pass coverage game. I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of where he grades out in coverage among safeties, but if he is anywhere other than the bottom five among qualifying players, I would be stunned because he is that bad in coverage. He cannot cover anybody, whether it's out of the backfield, whether it's tight ends, wide receivers, whatever. He's so limited in what he can do. He is a he is a safety in number only. He That is what he is. He is a safety that lines up in the box as a linebacker. And the Seattle defense is hugely limited otherwise. The reason the Seattle system of Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, the reason it worked is Cam Chancellor was at least passable in coverage. Earl Thomas was obviously the star for coverage stuff, but Cam Chancellor was passable. Jamal Adams is not even passable. He's got no hit fluidity. If you get him trying to switch directions, he just he can't do it. So if you have Aaron Jones against him in a option route situation where Jamal has got to try and flip his hips and react, Aaron Jones is going to toast him, and he'll leave him looking like he's standing still. I can, I wish I could see a highlight of Tyreek Hill or Keenan Allen or somebody else that's got speed against Jamal Adams just to see how bad he can look because he is downright awful. Yeah, next question, do you think the Packers shade Devontae Adams toward his side of the field and force either Sidney Jones and D.J. Reed to essentially cover one-on-one without a, a competent safety help? Yes, that's what I was going to Before you asked, that was going to be my thing. You have to get out, and and, and Lafleur is very good at at getting what he wants on on, on matchups. Yeah, I think if, again, it's, if it goes to the quarterback. Is Rogers going to be helped? Is he going to be ready? Is he going to be Aaron? If Aaron Rodgers never came down with with COVID, um, big F obviously. But if he had never come down, and this is just another game, I think this is a route. I think I think the, the Packers would score forty points. And, he, and they still met. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not there. I don't know what's going on in Aaron Rodgers' body, how he feels, and all that. And just based off history, I'm saying Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be as good as he was last month, or two, even two, three weeks ago. Um, but if he is, yeah, they're going to have all kind of matchups that they that they love. They, you know, Joe getting like a gauge just that having Jones do things out of the backfield, Dylan, and then Adams. I mean. Good good players can't cover Adams. So Sidney Jones and and you know no it's uh, yeah they're gonna Packers should be able to move the ball up and down the field. And then on the, on the other end of it, 
I mean, the offensive line was pretty bad last week, and Seattle, if they have a strength defensively, it's it's their it's their front seven. I mean, you got Carlos Dunlap coming through, uh, Rasheem Green, Al Woods, if he can go, uh, Puda Ford, Kerry Hyder. Like those guys can get after the quarterback a little bit. Do they? Need to, how much do they change their blocking to try and uh, try and adjust from what they dealt with last week with Bakhtiari still not likely to play? Not likely to make his debut. I think they need to give uh, Royce Newman some help. I don't know. I don't know what they're go- how they're going to do it, but they have to try and find a way to get extra attention in his direction because Royce Newman started the year strong and it is trend- He's been trending the wrong way ever since. He is the sixth out of seventy three guards uh, by graded by Pro Football Focus. He's sixty ninth overall. Uh, while that number is nice, his grade is not. He's got a forty six point three. He's Far and away, the lowest of all five starting offensive linemen currently, and that doesn't even include Josh Myers and Ben Debach, who has yet to play this year. I don't know if you just leave A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones, whoever's on the field, in the block permanently. Uh, you obviously can't, like, have – if he was a tackle, it would be a little easier to give him some help because then you could have uh, Big Dog or whoever's lining up at tight end chip. But Puna Ford and Al Woods, if Al Woods is able to suit up, are the two that you have to worry about the most. And obviously Jamal Adams – because he's one of the top five graded safeties in terms of they're in pass rush, which is hilarious because it just points to further. He is so limited in what he's able to do. Um, but those two are, can cause interior pressure, and that's how you mess up the best quarterbacks is by getting interior pressure because that forces them off their spot, that makes them move. And while Rodgers is great on the move, you would rather see him throwing from a clean pocket and throwing on throwing in rhythm. And Newman against those two is not a matchup that I want to see a lot of because he's just – he he needs help in some way. I don't know if it's just the NFL game speed is messing him up. I don't know if he's dealing with an injury that we don't know about, but something needs to be done to get him playing at a better at a better level than the one he's at now because it's just he is flat out not good enough. And I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's, he's the guy that falls out of the starting lineup when d comes back, right? Absolutely. I, I I was thinking that yeah, I think you should probably pull out now and you and if Bot can't go you move put Nyman out there and you move Jenkins in like because you have you have to short the interior of that line it's I mean you, you have, I think at this point you got to go inside out with your offensive line are you kicking running over to right guard no I mean I'm even thinking about putting Jenkins yeah, at right guard. yeah it don't matter I mean they I, I was just, I was just I was just curious how you were handling it. I didn't know if you wanted to put Jenkins at left guard and then um, running at right guard leave Patrick at center. I, I just I wasn't sure how you were breaking that down. I they're not obviously they're not going to make that change even though Newman was was just flat out bad last week. I the play the uh the play where Jordan Love got I don't know if he got stacked by Tyron Matthew where he almost did and he just had to throw the ball away. The Aikman on the on the like commentary was like, Yeah, he just flat out didn't see him and I'm like, No, he didn't no, it wasn't Love missing the blitzer. It was his offensive lineman didn't even get a hand on Matthew. Matthew came through and had the cleanest blitz look of his life because Newman didn't even get a hand on him. And he just he he doesn't look ready for the NFL right now. I think that he's still got a ton of potential to be a good player, but just right now he needs to be either shuffled out or they gotta put someone next to him because Turner has been solid next to him. Uh, it also doesn't help that he's playing next to Lucas Patrick, who has not been the, who's not the best center. Josh Myers is a better center than him right, right. now. Um, and that goes to communication. I think that's been an issue, too. Especially last yeah, week. I think guys could hear themselves. It's, it's not a coincidence 
Newman, like you said, Newman played well early, right? He, not, and he wasn't great. He was good. He was fine. He was solid. Everyone was talking about, hey, what a good pick this was. His play has gone down since Myers has been out. And I think I think that's being overlooked when everybody's blaming Newman for everything. There there could be a problem at center as well, and maybe they're missed. Maybe we don't know. I, I learned this a long time ago. We don't know. Sometimes the guy that, that appears to be getting beat or appears to be playing poorly isn't. It's not all his fault. Maybe he's doing the right thing, and the other guy's not sliding. They're not doing. Believe me, and that's why I I don't even look pro football focus. I know it has become this. Rand scheme of you know they're the they're the all time they know more about football than anybody that's ever watched or did anything. I think they're, I, I I never look at it. I don't care what they think. They're that's just their opinion. They didn't think Chris Barnes played that well last week. Apparently, from what I'm told, they didn't have him as one of the top Packer defensive players. If you watch that game and didn't think Chris Barnes played well, then you shouldn't watch football. Um, so yeah, they gave him they're they're grading Newman poorly, but they don't know. They're not asking the, the Packers offensive line coaches. Or the, or the players even, what was supposed to happen on certain plays. They're just watching the game. And what you and like I said, what you all what you see isn't always what's really happening. Um so yeah, Newman's having some trouble, obviously. But Kansas City came in with a great and Steve Spagnola, who's been very good at times and very bad at times as a coordinator in in his career, but he's always been consistent with one thing, with blitz. He learned that from Jim Johnson when they were both with the Eagles. They just go after you, and that's what he did. Their game plan was: we got a young quarterback; he's never seen any any of this kind of stuff. We're going to blitz him and blitz him and blitz him until he does either. If he beats us, fine, but we're going to take our chances. They're not going to do that with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers plays last week, their game plan's a little bit different. Well, it also goes back to the the Chiefs like to play with the lead, and they have one. Right. Yep. Well, everybody has. The Packers have only taken the lead, I think, twice this year. San Francisco and one other game. I forget the other game. They fall behind. Detroit. Detroit. Okay. No, Detroit. They they fell behind three nothing. Oh, okay. Oh, you're talking from the jump. They had the jump. Oh, I thought you. I was just talking in general. Might be San Fran. Might be the only game where where they actually scored first. Yeah, I think it is. Um, So I mean, they've always they've been behind. Just I don't know because the as good as the defense has been this year. Their first drive is never good. I don't know why, if they're just testing things out or um, they're setting the other team up. But they're look at that. Look at last week, Kansas City, that first drive, Kansas City went right down the field, scored, and then didn't really didn't do anything again after that. I mean, they, they probably gave up as many yards on that first drive as they did the rest of the game. Um, so yeah, they're going to. I mean, that that's been Green Bay. That's been the Packers' thing this year to you know fall behind and then have to come back a little bit. But again, getting back to the offensive line, I think the offensive line is good. Yes, last week they didn't they didn't play well. Um, I'm not I'm not as concerned about the the offensive line is, is the least of my worries um, going forward right right now. And it's going to get better. Bakhtiari is going to be back. Myers is going to be back. Then you're going to take two. Then you know Patrick and Newman will be out, and then that'll be a pretty good. That'll be a real good offense with two guys that in backup roles that aren't bad. Or and three really because Neiman showed he could play. I like your idea of putting Neiman back out there. Yeah, and so yeah, I agree with that. And I think with as far as the defense goes, that first drive, I always think it's like the first round of a fight. You're feeling out your opponent, seeing what they got, and then you adjust accordingly. And I, I give a lot of credit to Barry for the adjustments he makes every game. But I do think this is the this is the game where the offense is gonna could if Rodgers is good to go, and if he is 100, percent he's he doesn't have any any lasting effects from what he from last week. I think they could. 
attack this defense quickly and very powerfully. So that being said, let's take a look at what the lines are, make our predictions for this one. Let me just ask you this real real fast. So so you're the, the they appoint you team captain. Seattle calls heads, it comes up tails. Are you taking the ball or are you you doing what every team does now and, and defer? I'm deferring. I I'm, I'm taking the ball. I'm I'm not the re- ball. Give me the ball. I want to go down and score. I don't want to be behind seven nothing again or three nothing. I want to go down and score. The reason I, I like I understand like the I understand that aspect of it, but I also like the idea of Green Bay getting the ball out of the half, and I like Green Bay getting the chance to double up. Green Bay is very good at doing it. I like the chance of, scoring, of taking a seven nothing lead. That's I completely understand that. I that's why they're always behind. They always defer. I'm even a little different. I would I defer because I want to I want to get after Russell Wilson right away. His first game in, a, in over a month. I want to make his life painful right, from the very okay. start. That's what I like best. I make him have to like you're gonna like you can adjust to him. I like don't make like don't let him adjust to you. Like if you go out and you if you do score, that's great, awesome. You got a seven zero lead. Now you can now the Seahawks offense might be different. Granted, Pete Carroll refuses to call a different game plan other than the we're gonna run our game plan. If we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. But if you if you just go and you get after Wilson early. And then if you do get a stop, that immediately puts doubts in, especially if Wilson doesn't look good, like if he's a little off on a throw or two. Now the Packers the Packers defense can play a little more aggressive. They can be a little more after you. You can see, like, the Packers offense will then come out and be like, hey, our defense just got to stop. Let's go out. Even if we only score three on this first drive, let's go out and get some points and really start to build some of that pressure on the Seahawks, make them press a little more, make them try and do a little bit more. And make them see if they can make see if you can force them in to make them a mistake. But right, I, you also by, by deferring, you're you're hoping for a stop and then a punt. I don't want that either. That's fair. I just I trust that I trust, I trust, the, Packers. I trust opening, the Packers. Opening conversation. I don't I don't want other teams to punt. I trust the Packers. I trust the Packers defense, and I trust the. I also looking at Seattle specifically. I I have seen Seattle continue to make mistakes on offense and get in their own way. I don't have the red zone efficiency numbers up in front of me, but they're not very good. They've because they can't run the ball. They can't, and they're in. They have good wide receivers, but they don't have an elite tight end down in the red zone that they like to use, other than Will Disley, aka Big Montana. But they're just they're just not. They're they can't get out of their own way, and I trust the Packer defense. So that's that's all that comes down to for me. Yeah, that's fair enough. And so, Gage, I'll let you bring up the lines and then make your prediction for this one. All right, so. The lines have been pretty steady uh, throughout the week. I'm using uh, right now the Circa line. Um, they just their lines are usually really sharp uh, versus some of the public books like DraftKings or FanDuel. Uh, it opened uh, Green Bay opened as five and a half point favorites on what would that be last week? Last week Sunday. So after the uh, evening games had concluded, right around nine o'clock, five and a half, and then it has steadily moved down. It was five, four and a half. Four and a half, four, three and a half, three for a, few, for a couple of days, and then it was three and a half on Thursday. I think that's when they started realizing, hey, Rogers is probably going to play three and a half, and it's hovering at three and a half right now. Green Bay as a money line favorite, minus one eighty, Seattle plus one sixty. The total has moved a total of one point, and the, that one point movement came this morning, right when the Rogers report came out. It was forty nine and a half all week long. It didn't move at all this morning and bumped up a point. I'm taking the under on that on fifteen and a half. I like the fact that I got that one point bump. I just these are two teams that like to play slow. They have explosive players, but they don't like to play the big pass it out, air out game. They 
prefer to take control of the ball. I know that we've talked about Green Bay going under a lot this season because they do run the ball. Then I'm also going to take Green Bay to cover because I'm not that convinced in the Seattle team. I think Green Bay wins 24 to 14 or 24 to 13, somewhere in that range. I just don't, this Seattle offense can't get out of their own way right now. The defense outside of Woods and Ford up front, I'm not scared of anybody here. Adams can um, beat anybody that he matches up with. I like Green Bay in the running game with A.J. Dillon, especially if A.J. Dillon's able to get to that second level. Bobby Wagner's still really good, but he's not quite the athlete he used to be. Uh, and then Jordan Brooks is also, he's been he's been better this year, but he's still got some room to go, room to grow. So if you can get A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones really moving and working against those linebackers and then the pseudo linebacker in Jamal Adams, I really like Green Bay's offensive matchup here. And as I said before, D.K. and Tyler Lockett, great wide receivers. I think that Seattle's going to be getting in their own way. I think they're going to struggle to be consistent, right, with Russell Wilson coming back after being out for a month. So I'm going to go Green Bay 24 to 14. And I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I wasn't paying attention to the line because I just saw some breaking news that came out as we're recording this. And full, that's going to affect the Packers in a couple of weeks. I know it's Robert Woods out for the season. I saw that a couple of minutes ago as well. Yeah, Robert Woods, he tore his ACL on Friday, the same, like the same day that the Rams actually signed OBJ. Uh, he went down with an injury, came, got up, finished practice, interviewed with reporters, and then come to find out he is he has a torn ACL. He's out for the year. So that that really sucks for Woods. Uh, he's a strong player. He's been a great player for the Rams for the past few years. But that does make Green Bay's matchup with them in a couple of weeks a little bit easier. Great. So, but I'm with you. I think the score is going to be the same. I, I have 24-14. I, I, I agree. I think Seattle's just too too limited when it comes to their coaching. And with Wilson coming back, I don't trust them to move the ball that well. And I think the Packers do enough with the ball control type of game that they're going to play, that they're going to take us. Especially, it's going to be colder up here. I mean, it's not exactly warm in Wisconsin right now. I'm sure I'm not sure if you guys know that. But I think that favors Green Bay in this one. Um, Mark, what are you thinking for this one? You guys both went with 24. So you're, you're assuming three touchdowns and three two-point conversions? Yep. That's what, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be I, – I like, I'm with you on the under. I, yeah, I, I love – and the fact that it went up, too, I even like it even more. Um, I, I think Green Bay wins. I'm scared of this game. I, I hate playing desperate teams, and Seattle's desperate. They they can't fall – in that division, they can't fall to three and six. Um, and so that, that scares me a little bit. I love the fact that it's home where um, – you know, there, there's only two undefeated teams at home this year: Green Bay and Tampa Bay. And Green Bay's only three and zero, oh, but still, that's amazing that this at this early in the season, only two teams have ever have, have remained undefeated at home. Um, Matt Lafleur is, I believe, eighteen and two at home um, in his career, or seventeen and two, I guess would be. I'm sorry. Um, so I like the Packers to win, but I don't know that three and that's three and a half. I think that half is going to get you. I have I got Green Bay like twenty one or I can't say even let's say twenty one twenty. Also, another random uh, quick spread update: Green Bay is see seven and two on the year uh, over like in record wise, but they are eight and one against the spread. Um, they have not lost a spread cover since week one. They are tied for the best record in that statistic. With actually, I think they are the best yeah. record in that statistic because Dallas lost last week. So. Right. Green Bay is 8-1 and one against the spread. So for those of you that are out there playing the spread, 
that's uh, where Green Bay is at right now in that. Uh, yeah, because they, they, they actually co- they covered last week. So there you guys have it. Those are our picks. Uh, again, last week we all thought they were going to win, and we were wrong. Hopefully, I think this week hopefully we're right as they take on Seattle up in Lambeau Field. So that being said, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Mark, what are you working on? I'll have my instant analysis after the game um, right away, like I, or as fast as I can. And then we'll have another story up on Thursday morning. I'm not sure. what it, We'll see what happens in this game. But we'll be, we'll be looking ahead to next week's game as well. And that's at Packer Report, right? I'm sorry, yeah, Packer Report 66. And then Gabe? And you, can find me as all, you can find me, as always, on Twitter, at GBridgefordNFL. Still doing uh, fantasy start, or starts and sits for, uh, for running backs for Dynasty Nerds. That comes out. It varies kind of on the day. The last few weeks of the injuries, I've generally had that coming out later in the week. Like as a like this this week, it came out on Saturday, just because injuries and whatnot makes it so hard to kind of predict that sort of thing. Uh, still doing general content for Rotoballer, doing uh, Rams and Seahawks coverage, and covering the Denver Nuggets. And as always, I do every Sunday morning from nine o'clock to one o'clock um, Eastern. I do answer all fantasy questions uh, during that time span to help you guys get your lineups set. Uh, and so if you're listening to this now, I'm probably uh, live over there. Uh, so send your questions my way. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at Mike Lemon, all one word. Again, most of my work is in broadcasting, so I'm getting ready now for high school basketball, hockey, and wrestling season, which starts next week as we just did ice in my last football game of the year on Friday night uh, for a level four. Again, as Lacrosse Aquinas is now on their way to state, so congratulations to the Blue Golds there. But again, find me on Twitter, all one word, at Mike Wellen. Find uh, as a podcast, at Packaday Podcast, on all social media, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found, at Packaday Podcast. And also follow our YouTube channel. Uh, Andy's doing good work there as well. So that being said, it's game day, Packers and Seahawks. For Mark Echo, for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wellen saying so long, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, enjoy the game. Stay warm. Stay safe. Always carry the G. And go Pack Go. <laughs>